Thanks for listening to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, here to help educate, motivate, and put you on the right path to take control of your health through weekly discussions on topics in the medical field, public health arena, and in your community. And now your host, Dr. Barry. Hello, everybody. Dr. Barry here, host of the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, your number one podcast for patient empowerment and helping you empower yourself for better health. Today we are bringing you episode 85 and it's an absolutely amazing one. And I have a guest, right? And for those who've been rocking with me for a while, you know the direction that I've always wanted to take this podcast is not to only have physicians and of course myself kind of talking about some of these disease courses that you guys are very familiar with on an intimate level. But I've always wanted to have patients come on and talk about their illnesses and talk about their problems and how they're dealing with it from the patient side, right? Because I think that's something that gets lost in translation a lot. Again, you hear me talk about diabetes. You hear me talk about hypertension. You hear me talk about high cholesterol. But it's a totally different ball game, right, when you're the one who has high blood pressure, right, when you're the one who has anxiety, right, when you're the one who has high cholesterol, right, when you have the issue, right, it's a different thought process, right. So a lot of times when we're talking here on the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry, I'm really talking to that person because I know a lot of times their voice isn't being heard. But I have now stepped out and I'm starting to give the opportunity for those voices to be heard. And this week we have an amazing guest, Pam Wigan, who is an educator for about 50 years. She has taught in Ohio, Florida, and California. She is retired from the school district of Palm Beach County. She has served in different capacities in Title I elementary as well as high schools. She has been a teacher, acting assistant principal, parent community involvement contact, school counselor, grant writer and coordinator, and school choice coordinator. She has also spent a number of years in the district office serving as a specialist in supporting principals in schools and using Title I funds. She also oversaw the implementation of the Smaller Learning Communities Grant for the district Title I high schools. Pam has a bachelor's in elementary education, a master's degree in school counseling, and also a specialist degree in educational leadership. She has also completed research on the topic of the importance of social, emotional learning and student achievement. She now volunteers in the schools and is a mentor for Take Stock in Children. Pam has three children and six grandchildren. All of her children are graduates of Palm Beach County Schools. Her oldest daughter is a veterinarian ophthalmologist. Ooh, that's big. Her second daughter is an administrative assistant, and her son is a captain for Palm Beach County Fire Rescue, right? And, of course, I, I just read her a nice little bio out there, but uh, most, I think, most importantly, right, she is a friend of mine and also a former teacher, right? Like, we go back all the way to elementary school, right? She was my teacher in elementary school, and, you know, we've just kind of been in contact throughout the years, and, you know, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in March. And I was fortunate enough to be one of her point of contacts when it occurred. And she has been gracious enough to kind of get on the show. And she's going to be our first person to really talk about their disease course on the show uh, here on the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. So I hope you guys can get a lot of education, get a lot of learning. And especially with October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I thought, 
no other, no better time than to bring on uh, someone of her caliber. So uh, sit back again. If you want my show notes, as always, it's going to be lunchlearnpod.com or drpiersblog.com forward slash LLP. 085. And please share this with a friend. Please retweet this. Post this on your IG story, wherever you're at from a social media standpoint. Uh, email it to a friend. Tell a friend to listen to it. I think this is an amazing episode and I want everyone to hear, especially if you know someone or you, you personally have been affected by breast cancer. So amazing show. Get ready for a great show uh, with my former teacher, Pam Wigan, and we're going to be talking about her experience dealing with breast cancer. So, so Miss Wiggum, thank you for coming to the Lunch and Learn with Dr. Barry. This is going to be a special episode, and this is actually going to be a first episode, uh, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of times when I'm on the show, I talk about uh, the disease course and what the disease course may look like uh, in a patient who may be experiencing it. But today, I actually have the pleasure of having a former teacher of mine's who I've known for Oh, how, how long has it been now? Oh, I, I, I don't know. You were, what, six, seven in my class. Wow. Wow. So 20, because I'm 35, so 29 years. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yep. That is amazing. <laughs> amazing. That and is I'm amazing. not sick, though. <laughs> so we have, we have, we have Ms. Wiggum, and she's going to be talking a lot about what she's going through. And of course, you know, depending on when you're listening to this, we're in October, and this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I felt, you know, what better spot to, you know, have my first guest appearance uh, from a person who is dealing with, as we speak, breast cancer. So, Ms. Wiggum, first, before we get into, I, I kind of gave a little bit introduction on you, especially, but, you know, kind of tell, you know, our Lunch and Learn listeners, you know, a little bit about who you are, you know, what brought us here 29 years later. This episode is brought to you by the Lunch and Learn Community Store, where we are living out the motto, empower yourself for better health. In the Lunch and Learn Community Store, you can get your favorite t-shirts, ebooks, as well as other related products by Dr. Barry. Head over to shop.drpiersblog.com and get a chance to get 10% off your first purchase by using the coupon code EMPOWER10. Again, shop.drpiersblog.com. Live out the motto, empower yourself for better health. Well, I'm, I am, first of all, a mom and a grandma. I have three kids who are married to wonderful people, and they have, I have six grandchildren that are wonderful, and so that's my first thing I always think of. My second thing is, is that I'm an educator, have been an educator for 50 years. So I met Barry, Dr. Barry, I'm sorry, call him Barry, um, Dr. Barry. Um, halfway through my career, and I've been working with kids ever since. I um, worked in all grade levels from pre-K all the way up till seniors in high school. And actually, some of my kids that graduated are still coming back to me, and we're, I'm still helping them since they don't have a family. So my my most important thing in the world is working with people, and especially young people. So that's me. Beautiful, beautiful. Today, when we when we talk about Breast Cancer Awareness Month and we talk about the month of October, I've kind of talked about it in the past where I feel like 
a lot of times when we have these disease courses, a lot of times we just think about them as a disease and we don't necessarily think about the people who are dealing with the disease, right? And in your case, I know, you know, you were recently diagnosed with breast cancer, right? Correct, correct. So when, when, when you were first, when, I guess, I guess the better question, when were you first diagnosed and what were some of your thoughts when you first got the diagnosis? I was first diagnosed at the beginning of March, and my first thought was they had to have made a mistake. And I have to admit that I um, never, ever, ever thought I would get breast breast cancer because I have heart disease. So it wouldn't be fair for me to get breast cancer. So my first thought was there is no way I could have breast cancer. There's no breast cancer in my family history. And so... I really have been in pretty much of a state of denial since the fact that they they diagnosed me. I think I finally do believe that I had breast cancer or have breast cancer, but it was very, very difficult for me to accept it was me. I have many friends who've had it, who supported them, gone on breast cancer walks, but I never thought I would be the person with breast cancer. I think you, you hit a... Great point right on the head, because I think a lot of times when when I'm having to, you know, talk about like, hey, you have this disorder, right? Whether it be breast cancer, blood pressure, diabetes. I think a lot of our patients usually go through that process like, huh? Like me? Like, what does that mean? And I, I think you hit it right on the head when you talked about the family history. We talked about on the last episode how family history is a big uh, component uh, for uh, patients who are diagnosed with breast cancer especially because the the strong genetic aspect uh, that is breast cancer, right? So I think, you know, having those, you know, things that kind of went against you where you didn't think like that kind of fits you is not out of the ordinary whatsoever. Well, it's been a very different experience than my heart disease because I kind of accepted it because it's all throughout my family. So I'm still, I'm still coming to grips with the fact that I'm a breast cancer patient. And from when, when you first got the diagnosis of breast cancer, how, how was the physician, right? Because I, I've said this before, uh, and I, I teach residents now, and a lot of times, whether they're the negative traits or negative knocks that they get against them as a physician, right, is that it sometimes seems like the physician doesn't really, you know, show a level of empathy and concern when they're even delivering news like that? Like when you first got that news, what was the demeanor of the physician telling you? Well, I have to say, um, not only the physician that told me, but all the doctors I've interacted with have been fantastic. They've all been very compassionate and very supportive and positive. My family physician is actually the one who told me um, that I had breast cancer. I had my regular mammogram and I just, you know, figured, oh, everything's okay. And when she got it back, she said, well, you know, we have to look at a little closer, but, you know, I'll get back with you. And um, then I was driving back from visiting my grandchildren on a Monday morning and she called and she said, hey, Pam, could you stop by the office? And I said, oh, sure, fine. I'll be right there. (laughs) So then when we got there, she took took both my hands and she looked in, in my eyes and she said, I don't want you to be scared. 
because I know everything's going to be okay, but you do have breast cancer. And that's when I was like, what? (laughs) She was very, very compassionate, very supportive. She said, don't worry about it. I have a really great surgeon. I guess I can't even remember the order I saw everybody, but she, she, um, she even had gotten the results on a Friday afternoon, but rather than call me so that, cause it was too late in the day for me to come see her rather than call and tell me I had breast cancer. She waited till Monday morning and asked me to come into the office, which I think is, was super of her to do. Right. And I, I, I agree. I couldn't do anything over the weekend and for sure, she didn't tell me on the phone because I have one of those things where you can answer the phone on your car, you know, that kind. And I was driving down 95. And if she had told me when I was driving down 95, things might have been a little different. I might not have had treatment. I might have driven off the road. So I really encourage, I don't know how people generally do it, but I really encourage physicians to tell the person in, in person if at all possible. And, and I, I think I totally agree with you. I, I've unfortunately been on uh, the opposite end where, you know, physicians or sometimes it's not even physicians. Sometimes it's uh, the office assistants or the medical assistants or someone who's calling in and just saying over the phone, like, hey, this is what you got. Or, hey, this is, you know, you've got this lab abnormality or you should do this. Like the, the delivering of information for a patient uh, is so staggered, right? And I think your physician did an absolutely beautiful job. She did everything that she was supposed to do and I think did it correctly. And then and then she said, I don't want you to leave. I'm gonna call my the doctor and it was it was the um breast surgeon. Mm-hmm. She said make an appointment for the this afternoon or you know, so that you can go from here to there so that you can get all the information you need. So the, uh, the assistant knew what she had told me and she said, just, you know, relax. And, and I sat there for a little bit. And then I said to the assistant, I think I'm going to go for a walk. And she said, that's fine. We're, we'll be waiting for you here when you get back. So they, they were all very compassionate and nobody was hysterical. They were very calm. And it was, it was, I don't know if you can say it was a good experience, I guess a positive positive no that, that's amazing because I've, I've heard the horror stories where you know diagnosis like that get left on voicemails they get a, a certified like letter like I've heard a lot of horror stories and you know thankful that in your case that wasn't it now when, when I know you talked about you know getting the mammogram and you know this one being abnormal had you been getting mammograms beforehand where Yes, I got, and, and she said I was the poster child for why you need to get mammograms, even if you don't have uh, breast cancer in your family. Because I've always gotten one, mainly because one of my friends always says, okay, it's February, it's time for our mammogram. So I have, I think I skipped one year, but I've gotten them for 10 years or whatever, however many years you're supposed to start. So I said, and every, you know, I go and I go, okay, here we go. And then I, forget about it so she did say see good thing you went right because my my actual cancer was very small because it 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 was just a year between my mammograms 
she said if I'd have let it go a couple of years, it would have been, you know, worse. Worse. And, and I think that's a telling point, especially for the lunch and learn listeners, that uh, screening is so important. And just because you've had negative testing in the past doesn't mean you're, you don't need testing in the future. And I get that a lot with my patients. We're like, oh, doc, I've had mammograms. I've gotten a colon. I've done this. I've done that before. It's fine. So I don't need to do it again. And I always have to remind them like, hey, you, you don't want to be missing any, especially if you don't have to, right? If, you, if you're able to do the testing and it's still uh, required to do it, just go ahead and do it. Just get it out the way. And I think you're, again, you perfect example of having negative mammograms. Like, again, you, you are going every year like you're supposed to. And then the one year uh, when you went this year, it happened to be abnormal. Correct. Correct. So now, I, and I've, I've, I've talked to some patients beforehand uh, when, you know, when I've had to deliver the news and a lot of times, especially as a, as a outpatient physician, and especially even now as a hospitalist medicine physician, sometimes I, I have to deliver the news multiple times uh, because for a lot of my patients, when they hear that word, a big C word, a word that, you know, uh-huh. you know, we don't like to talk about a lot. But when they hear that word, a lot of times they don't really hear anything I'm saying afterwards. Like I could say you know, the lotto numbers and they're not hearing that. Correct. Oh, I got to check my lotto numbers. I forgot to check them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I agree because that, that really did. I really was in a fog, Dr. Berry, for months. And I will discuss it more when you. Talk, we talked about what I would do differently because it's a scary word. It's oh, a yeah. scary thing. Hmm. So, and, and you said you had family who family history with like heart disease, but not necessarily cancer. So this was new to kind of everyone, even within your, your family circle. Correct. Because I've warned all my kids, you know, when the, when the girls are through menopause, be sure you get checked for heart disease. And my son has um, cholesterol, uh, the high cholesterol. That's what my family does. And so it was like kind of expected, not super expected because I was young. I was only 48 when I had the quadruple bypass, but, but it wasn't like a shock like this was. And, and you know, when we talked about, you know, learning about the diagnosis since March and you know, right now we're in October. So it's, you know, a little over seven months or under seven months. How has the process from a healing, from, ment- from a mental standpoint been uh, over this time course? Over, and again, we're, we're, and we say has been healing because we know we're still uh, actively treating, actively healing. But like, how has the mental process been over this time frame versus when you first heard it in March? And then as now when we're talking about, and I'm pretty sure you every now when you turn on the TV, because it's, you know, the popular thing to do during October, everyone's talking about breast cancer awareness. Yeah, it's uh, it's really interesting, Dr. Berry. I think um, when I see it, I think, oh, I'm one of those now. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird, a weird thing. Um, I'm amazed. And like I even said to my uh, one of my friends uh, about two weeks ago, um, so am I a survivor? Because I don't even know. You know, I don't. I think that's the one thing that is the most confusing. And I'm a, I'm a really a visual learner, and uh, and I I need to know. I you know I research everything. I need to know, and I never could find what I think somebody should do. <laughs> 
Maybe it's going to be you. Make a flow chart. You know how they you make a flow chart where you put up diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Or no, mammogram. And then under that with an arrow, diagnosis, no cancer, end of end, you're good. Uh, yes, cancer. First step, see breast surgeon. Because I didn't realize how many doctors are involved in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know who the oncologist was or who the you know, the radiation person was and who the surgeon was and when do you go and when, you know, who do you see first? And, and, and it's, and it's so confusing. It's not like I went to my cardiologist, right? You know, this one, you go to everybody and it's, it's very, very confusing for, and, you know, see if you have to have chemo and if you have chemo, this is what happens. If you don't have chemo, then you maybe go to radiation and, and and then then you do this and then you're you have your mammogram three months after and then six years later you're a survivor or six months later you're you know I I still don't know because and, and it's I, so it's so new so and so fresh wow. and and yeah. I think you I think you hit it right on the head because especially for molecular listeners who may not know what all kind of entails especially when we talk about breast cancer she she talked about having to see, obviously, her, her family physician, who was the first person and the first point of contact to order the mammogram and to get the diagnosis. But once she gets the diagnosis, uh, she may have to see an oncologist, right, which is a uh, physician who spe- specializes in cancer. Then she may have to see a radiation oncologist who, uh, like the name says, right, specializes in radiation therapy associated with cancer. And if there's some surgical intervention, she may have to likely see a breast surgeon who is a surgeon who went through general surgery and then did extra time just focusing on women's health and breast surgery, right? So all of these different people in these different factions and all of these different points you have to kind of go uh, in the direction of. And again, you're still in the fog because you're like, hold on, I have cancer. Like you're still stuck on that part. But the family physician and your primary contact is like saying, oh, you need to see A, B, C, and D. Exactly. Exactly. And even now, I finished radiation July 10th, and then I went and saw the oncologist, and then I got a call that I had to go see the breast surgeon, and now I go back to the radiation person in November, and then I, and it's like, okay, <laughs> what, what, what's next? What's next? And oh, by the way, don't forget, you have to go to the cardiologist because you're overdue for that. But mm-hmm. that's my thing. But but it really it is such a confusing process, and I would think it would be the very similar with any cancer, because you're in shock, you don't know what the first step is, and like I said, I didn't real. I mean, I'm going, what? There isn't just one doctor that does it all, right? You know. <laughs> so that would be my suggestion. <laughs> Maybe that could be an assignment for a. a a person who's studying to be a doctor. I, no, I agree. And I, I think you hit it at the head because a lot of times, especially in the position of a physician, when we're just kind of saying like, oh, okay, now I need you to see this person and this person, we're, we're never thinking about it in uh, the eyes of our patients. We're never really thinking about it. Like if I was in my physician, my patient's place, would I understand any of what I'm saying right now? Uh, and a lot of times, uh, because we do doctor speak and we don't necessarily remember that we have to break it down. We don't really even explain 
the actions, we just say what the action is. Exactly. And, and I'm, you know, I'm an educated person, but I still had to look up exactly what an oncologist does and exactly what the radiation doctor does, because I didn't know, you know, that's, uh, that's, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, especially for the lunch learning listeners, uh, just so you guys can understand that as a physician, sometimes, you know, we do all we can, right? Because we, we know the medical aspect of it, but it's this the person. And uh, AT still, I'm an osteopathic physician, right? AT still always says that you're, you're not treating a diagnosis. You're treating a person who happens to have the diagnosis. And, and not obviously not exact words, but essentially that what that is. And sometimes in medicine, we kind of forget that. Like we, right. we say we're treating this diagnosis, but we're not saying, no, no, I'm treating uh, Mr. Pierre, who happens to have the diagnosis of blood pressure, diabetes. Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm not treating the diagnosis. I'm treating the person. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's the difference. I mean, you can be the smartest doctor in the whole wide world, but if you're not treating a patient you're, and you're tre- treating the diagnosis, you're not the greatest doctor in the world. I'm sorry. I agree. Your patient leaves goes, oh, he doesn't even care about me. He's going on to the next person. And I don't even know what he said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or she. Or she. Don't mean to be sexist. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was actually, it's funny because it was one of the reasons why I started doing the blogging and the live streaming and now the podcasting because uh, it used to hurt me when I would have to, you know, leave my patient uh, room and I knew they probably didn't understand everything I said. And so it was always the follow up like, hey, you know what? Uh, yes, I'm just diagnosing you with this diagnosis here. But I also uh, wrote a blog post about it. And I also did a, a video about it. I also did a like I, I like I did so many supplemental. And if after that, you still have questions. Please come back to me because I want to make sure that you understand. Uh, why your diagnosis is as important to me as it is to you. And I think as a physician, as a health uh, practitioner, we, we don't do that great of a job like expressing that up. Well, and I really do have to commend you because that is huge, that the fact that you know we need to follow up. Just like as an educator, I don't teach my curriculum. I teach my students. Mm. And and if you don't do that, there's no personal contact and the person doesn't feel valued. And, you know, oh, yes, I went to the doctor. What do you say? I don't know. know. He was was so busy. I waited for 20 minutes or hour to see him and he spent five minutes with me. You know, that's just disheartening, very disheartening. But I've been I've been really blessed with good, good doctors. They've been very attentive. And. uh, Definitely, definitely happy to hear. Definitely happy to hear that. Um, with the diagnosis, with the diagnosis of breast cancer, uh, obviously, I'm. Maybe we were both on the social media aspect, and you know, we're, I'm. In, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups and forums. Are you a part of any forums or Facebook groups, or is groups that kind of together that from a support system, right? Like, I guess the question I'm asking is. How is your support system now versus what it was in March? Has it gotten better? Has it gotten bigger? Well, and it's, I don't know if you know that I'm an extremely independent person. (laughs) 
And <laughs> there were very, very, I actually told very few people, a lot of my friends still don't even know. Uh. Well, maybe they will if they listen to the podcast. <laughs> but, <laughs> what? You have breast cancer? But I, I'm very independent. And believe it or not, I'm an introvert. I'm very, very, um, I don't share a whole lot with people. So I, of course, told my kids and my best friends. And then I knew two people that had gone through cancer or who were survivors. And they were actually my support system. The doctor's office gave me some online group and all it did was scare me. Mm. And at this point, I'm on um, estrogen therapy and I'm really hating it because everything they talked about seems like it's happening to me. But um, I, I have found one person that had gone through a very serious, you know, I mean, she had went through the chemo and the radiation and she was wonderful because she didn't go, Oh no way. Oh, it's awful. You know, she said, Oh yeah, well it's, it's really tough, but um, this is what helps me. And she told me different things and actually shared with me things that she had bought when she was going through chemo, you know? And so she was wonderful support. I could, I was texting her. Then the other one that was my support was my uh, beautician. And she, um, she, she was very supportive because she had just gone through it. So that was, those were the one, the people that I mainly talked to when I first found out, went for my walk. I, um, I went and I called my best friend because they knew I was going to get my results that day. And I said, I don't want you to say a word until I finish. And, um, and so I said, the results were positive And all I want you to say now is that everything's going to be okay. <laughs> so my friend, you know, was very supportive and said, yeah, it's going to be fine because I was afraid to call my kids. I needed some support before I called my kids. Right. You needed that motivation uh, to even do that. Right. Exactly. Because I actually had told the assistant at the doctor's office, maybe I won't tell my kids. <laughs> and she actually, that's the only time anybody raised their voice to me. She's about my daughter's age. And she said, oh, no, you don't tell them. I'm going to call and tell them. She said, I'd be so mad if my mom didn't tell me. So, of course, I, I knew I was going to tell them, but I just needed that motivation. So then I told my kids and um, that was it. I didn't tell anybody for like two weeks. And then I texted my friend that had it. But uh, I've told a few other people, but not many. No, and I'm, I'm glad you definitely hit it, hit it ahead because a, a lot of times people think we need, you know, 50 people and 100 people uh, to show the support. But sometimes it's just one or two. Sometimes you exactly. just have two who uh, can empathize, and if they've been through it, you know, even better. But if not, as long as they can empathize and are, are ready to be with you on the up days, on the down days, because not every day, especially when you're dealing with radiation uh, and chemotherapy, if you're dealing with chemo, not every day is going to be the same. But exactly, you have that consistent person uh, to lean on. Uh, it does a world of wonders. There's actually been studies that showed the, how the, the mental health status of patients who are going through treatment for cancer uh, is a very positive indicator of how well they do for the cancer. 
Uh, and I agree with that. And I have to say, people who found out were very supportive. Because, and they know me. You know, they were like, what can we do? And I said, just say some prayers because I know everything's going to be fine. And, um, and they respected that. Like you said, if you have too many people, it, it, may, it would make me, me nervous. Some people need more people. Right. I just did my trusted cue. So, but you definitely, definitely need a support system. And you definitely have to have the positive support. I, I remember at the, when I went to the breast surgeon, one of the things that um, she said to me was, what we do now is first we're going to make some goals because we always make goals because we're going get, to get through this. And, and so she said, what's your main goal in life? And I said, well, I'm going to live to see all my grandchildren graduate from college. <laughs> and she said, well, that's a great goal. So let's do it. So, you know, right, right then she encouraged me to be positive and continue. And I'm, I'm pretty much a positive person anyway. That's what my nickname was when I was younger, Positive Pam. <laughs> so people look at me and go, uh, come on. But, you know, you got to be positive, Dr. Barry. I agree. So, and, I, and I, I'm not going to say that I didn't have down days, because I did. Right. And, I, you know, and I still do, because I'm still going through it. I haven't had my mammogram after the radiation yet. You know, so I'm still, that's why I said, am I a survivor yet? Right. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how long it takes before you can say that. <laughs> yeah, we're not sure what, see, that's, and that's why we need a flow chart, because we're not even sure what step you got to get to to be able to say, yes, I'm a survivor. Exactly, exactly. So it's, it's a really interesting process and a really interesting experience that I hope nobody else has to go through. But it is getting better. I mean, we are having more success with cure rate. And, um, and like I said, I, my youngest grandchild is two. So let's see. Perfect. <laughs> if he doesn't decide to be a doctor, how old will he be? <laughs> <laughs> is, so. is, is there anything, and, and I know you talked about uh, just like, you know, seven months later, kind of getting around accepting of the diagnosis. Is there anything you would have done differently since you learned that you had breast yeah, cancer? Yeah, very much. Because all of my children were said, mom, every one of them said, mom, we'll go with you to the doctor appointments. You want to come up here and stay at my house and go through the treatment? And being Miss, I'm the mother, you don't have to help me, independent lady. I said, oh, no, I'm fine. In retrospect, as I have told everybody I know that when they're going to the doctor for some serious thing, to bring some them, someone with them, I should have allowed one of my children to go to the doctor appointment first time with each one of the doctors. Because I know that I went and they, just, they said stuff and I just said, okay, okay. They would have heard the doctor, they would have understood, and they would have asked more questions than I did. So I definitely, definitely realized I should have allowed them to help me more. And I would encourage anyone who is like me to stop being so independent and allowing people to help you. 
especially your family. Oh, I mean, that's what I feel. That's, I think that's really uh, the, the crux. And really the, the, the education, especially when I talk about the empowerment of the patient, uh, a lot of times, you know, the knowledge is there. And a lot of times as a physician, we don't do a good enough job, you know, calming the fears or just enriching that knowledge that our patients are looking for. And on the patient side, a lot of times, uh, either the doctor may be doing that, uh, but, you know, you're not really, it's, it's, it, you hear it, but because you don't understand it, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. Exactly. And you're, you're just kind of like, okay, okay, because it, it's still, a lot. I'm pretty sure it's still a lot, even to this day, seven months later, I'm pretty sure it's still a lot to take in. And if your physician isn't keen and uh, making sure that, like, do you understand everything I just said? Is there any questions? If you don't get that sense that you can feel that you can ask your physician, you know, to clarify, to repeat. Uh, and I know a lot of patients who go through this where they feel a, a physician is one foot is out the door uh, before they even get a chance to, right. to, to ask their question. And I didn't, I didn't have that. My, my all my doctors were very, it, 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 they acted like I was their only patient that mm. afternoon or that day, but it was me. It was my stubbornness. And so maybe I'll have to, I don't know, at 72, can you learn how to be not as independent and stubborn? <laughs> so so I, I, I was, I've, been, I've been trying to uh, work on that myself. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep working on it. Yes. So before we let you go, and, and this is a question that I always ask my patients in my office and even in the hospital now. Uh, and it's usually more of a question directed for the friends and family members uh, to 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 try to educate them as well. Like, is there is there one thing you know you would like you know those who don't have breast cancer, uh, but they have a family member who's breast breast cancer, they have a family friend who has breast cancer. Is there one thing that you uh, a tip that you would give them to say, hey, this is what you should be doing for your person that you love? Uh, while they're going through something that you'll probably never understand what they're going through. Well, it's kind of, you know, I think everybody, everybody's different. I have had family members who, when they're sick, they need somebody there 24 seven, bending over backwards, asking you every five minutes how you are. And I'm the total opposite. So I think you have to know your family member, mm-hmm. but you definitely have to be there have to be positive and have, you know, of course, offer. And if they say, no, 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 I'm okay. That doesn't mean don't ask again. That means, you know, check on them. How are you doing? How, you know, you, you need anything? You want me to come with you? And if they say no, then they say no. But if, if you ask and they need it, they'll say, yeah, I need you. And that, but I, I don't think you should like one person I met from my or not my my Shannon family who had breast cancer and I didn't even know she knew I knew she that I had it she came over to me at a family gathering and she said oh you've only just begun it gets way worse and told me wow. how awful it was how her hormones she's been taking hormone therapy for five years and her husband can't wait because she's been so awful and she feel and I'm going thank you I really don't need to hear that right now that's why I really liked my friend that had been through it. And she said, this is what helps me. 
So you need to be positive, like we said before. You need to be supportive, and you need to take your cues from your friend or your family member. They'll let you know. You'll be able to tell. You'll be able to tell. That's and that's it. And again, I want to thank you, Ms. Wiggum, for your courage for being able to fight through a diagnosis that we're still currently fighting through, but having the courage to say, yes, I'm dealing with it. I'm strong enough to deal with it. And I'm going to, you know, take it head on. And that's what we have to do with, with all of the obstacles in our lives. And this is, I think cancer I've heard from so many sources. It's all about the positives. It's all about the positive. Maybe that's with every ailment. I don't know. But I've no. always been positive. And I mean, every time I get a stent, it's like, okay, how many do I have now? <laughs> you know, we just got to keep on going. I mean, we're here for a short time. We don't know how long. So I'm going to keep on being positive and keep on charging through. Beautiful. Amazing. And uh, lunch learning community members, again, I want to, you know, you know, formally and, you know, show my gratitude and appreciation uh, for my teacher and my friend. And I don't even call her a teacher. She's my friend. Like, we're like friends. Oh, that's why you should call me Pam and I should call you Barry, but yes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have to say to Dr. Barry, for every teacher out there, the most, the best thing about teaching is to hear from former students and to see how well they're doing. And I'm so, so proud of you. I talk about you all the time to my friends. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I got, I got to tell my wife. So <laughs> <maybe one. laughs> yeah, tell your wife. And if she ever needs to ask me, have her give me a call. I'll tell her. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right. Let you learn community members. That is episode 85. And I want to, again, thank our guest, uh, Pam Wiggum, uh, for, uh, her amazing story and, you know, really kicking off the inaugural uh, set of episodes where we're really going to start talking to the patients. Like we're, we, we talk to the doctors enough. Uh, I, I talk enough, uh, but let's start hearing uh, from the patients who are dealing with the problems we talk about and get their side of the story. And we just heard an amazing story, her side of the story as well. So uh, like always, remember, you know, Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry, the number one podcast for patient empowerment, helping you empower yourself for better health. Uh, I'm going to see you guys next week. Thank you for getting to the end of the show. I am your host, Dr. Barry Pierre, host of the Lunch Learn with Dr. Barry. And this is another amazing episode that we like to bring to you week after week on betterment of empowering yourself for better health today if you have not had a chance please go ahead and subscribe to the show if this is your first time listening if you already listen and you've already subscribed make sure to leave me a five-star review because your support is absolutely important in keeping the show moving as it is and if you have not had a chance and you want to check out today's show notes always head over to lunchlearnpod.com that is lunch learn pod all in one word.com and you can get the access to my show notes for every single episode but especially the one you just listened to and i'm gonna see you guys next week you guys be blessed bye